it's the next level. Look, Loomis, we ain't done nothing illegal except maybe bust the speed limit. So why don't you give us all a break and let us get the hell out of here? You listen to me, you son of a bitch. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal, since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. So, if you guys try to take the law into your own hands, and that killer turns up dead, I'm going to see you all sniffing cyanide in the Arizona gas chamber. Do you read? Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? And wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Never get out of bed again. Never get out of bed again. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. All right, kids, I won't kick this horse for long. <laughs> We've already been down this road before. But there is something I need to get out of the way and hopefully never have to come back to this again. Black Christmas. And fuck you. Okay, you, you want to remake a classic film that really has no need for a remake? Fine. I get it. Copy it. Change Billy's skin color from white to yellow. Give him a backstory. Make him seem whatever you want. Immortal, vampiric. Smart, dumb, female, a dog, I don't care, whatever. Just don't make him a group of sorority boys. And don't make him a group of sorority boys fighting a group of sorority sisters. And don't fucking call it Black Christmas. You know what? I thought, okay, they want to remake this movie because of the current political climate. You know, with abortion laws being passed and whatnot, you know... I, I totally understand this. I get it. Okay, a film like this maybe quote-unquote warrants a remake only in the fact that the themes from the original are still very strong and relevant today. And okay, give it the benefit of the doubt because as yes, kids today may not want to watch a 1974 horror film that was made for their grandparents. Fine, whatever, get it. Okay, I'm, I'm an easygoing guy. But that goddamn abomination trailer that we saw, wow, like it's nothing like Black Christmas at all. Nothing. What? Because it's got Christmas trees and bright colors and a strong female cast? Okay. 
Am I jumping the gun on this? Am, you know, am I making you know radical prejudgment like calls on this? Well, maybe, but and I, am I wrong about my first impression? Probably not, but okay, maybe. But this movie looks like garbage. Like it looks atrocious, and the movie poster too. Like, what is this? Bad girls at Christmas time? Like, remember that movie? Bad girl? What was it? I think it was called Bad Girls with Drew Barrymore. It was like the western or whatever. And it was like the you know the four to five strong females on the poster. Yeah, we're gonna kick some ass. Yeah, okay. Like seriously, have we missed the point of the original Black Christmas? The original Black Christmas didn't need to thump its chest. You know what it did? It presented a story. And you walked away from it going, fuck, I just saw some really good storytelling um, with very strong themes. And, you know, anyone who wants to sit there and say the original Black Christmas was not a movie with a lot of feminist themes, then you didn't watch the movie. Because that's exactly what it was. The thing is, is it didn't need to promote itself that way. It didn't need to throw it down your fucking throat. I don't know. Do you guys remember the original? Okay, you guys remember the original film, obviously. Remember Mrs. Mack? She's the uh, the the, um, the sorority uh, house mother. She was always drunk. Well, fuck. Now she's got a reason to be fucking drunk because she probably wants to forget that poster and that trailer for this new fucking remake. Oh my god, I can't do this anymore. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, I know I'm supposed to be open-minded and, you know, accept the horror genre for what it is. And I'm usually that guy. But fuck, (laughs) no way. This is not Black Christmas. And I can't do this again. So it's the last time I'm ranting about it. On with the show. Racing to you from the undead realm of Studio Zero at the Next Level Network of Podcasts. The show so sleek, it feels like a turbo inceptor. Are you feeling the need? The need for speed? No kids, we couldn't afford Tom Cruise for this show, let alone Charlie Sheen. But hopeless cameos aside, it's time for this week's high-octane, thrill-seeking episode of The One, The Only, What What Lurks Behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host for the proceedings this week, Postmortem Paul. Honestly, have you ever wondered what it would be like if you took the crow? Maybe mixed in a little Days of Thunder or, you know, the Fast and the Furious. But replaced Brandon Lee, Tom Cruise, and Vin Diesel with, like, the wild thing of baseball himself. Charlie fucking Sheen. Well, this week we put that recipe to the test. Uh, with this Meeks, this Meeks, this Meeks, this Weeks movie review of the week. Yeah, for episode 55. It's a listener request, by the way. Should mention that a listener request from TJ the drummer on Instagram. I think he's requested one before, hasn't he? Anyway, yeah, this week uh, we're doing that 1986 Hell on Wheels known as The Wraith. But first, um, okay, so I'm not gonna do a lot of spoilers, but how many of you have watched The Dark Crystal on Netflix, the 10 episode series? Yeah, okay, so no spoilers. But man, fuck, they nailed it. Uh, perfectly done. Uh, <laughs> very well done. I'm I'm beside myself. I, I was in awe watching this because you cannot tell watching this series that there was, what, 30 some odd years between the movie and this? Uh, 
like the set designs, the puppetry, the story, the character development. Um, amazing. Both, and the emotions. The emotions, which I'm going to say, like, portrayed on the screen and what the audience feels. Like, you know, the emotions evoked from us. Just perfect. Absolutely fucking perfect. And, okay, so going into this, I mean, I was extremely excited. I'm a huge Mark Hamill fan. I love almost everything the man's done, including some of his, you know, lesser-known and not-so-great movies. <clears throat> Slipstream. But anyways... I love a lot of what Mark Hamill does. And so I was expecting him to be amazing in The Dark Crystal, which he was. Uh, he shines. He shines uh, with his portrayal of the scientist. But there are two other people that really stand out. And um, Simon Pegg as the Chamberlain and Jacek, J- Jacek, Jason Isaacs. Wow, I'm having a problem saying Jason. Pretty common name. Uh, Jason Isaacs as the Emperor both steal the show uh absolutely fucking great especially simon Pegg. i mean i didn't even know it was him at first like i mean i knew he was a voice actor in this but i wasn't aware of what character he was doing and when i looked it up i was like that's him like perfect perfect it, 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 it's without getting like too fucking crazy let's just say his performance is immaculate uh, <laughs> absolutely brilliant many more fucking adjectives am I going to use um, other notables I mean because it, the cast right down the line was great uh, Taron Edgerton was great uh, Natalie Emanuel Lena Haiti, uh, Anna Taylor-Joy all awesome all really really well done especially Lena Haiti. and I mean but then again she's a great actress like I loved her in Sarah Connor Chronicles the Terminator TV series there and as much as you hated Cersei, there was a reason why, because she played it so fucking well, right? So, she's a great actress, does very well in this. Um, I felt a little underused. I would have liked the character if it used more, but whatever. I mean, she's still amazing when she's voicing her character. Um, but I'm going to say this. I mean, without, like I said, I don't want to do any spoilers. People still need to see this, but uh, if you grew up with the original movie, and if you didn't, what rock? you crawl out of because crawl out of under like you know what i mean like i thought like everybody saw this but anyways uh this is gonna melt your heart that's that that's the best way for me to say this Uh, the time the passion the detail the attention to detail that went into this is at a wondrous level like it's just and i you know i i've had a few people say oh well they didn't follow the story completely like the film okay well whatever but this only takes place 50 years prior to the movie and according to the movie if i remember correctly which i haven't watched the movie in a couple months i mean the history of the sexies goes all the way back to or skexies sexies what the fuck i'm really talking like an idiot today um the skexies goes back like a thousand years if i remember correctly so if this is only 50 years yeah whatever um I mean, and I'm also going to say this, like, while it might seem unfair to compare this to the other shows on Netflix, because there's quite a few, and I mean, they all vary in genre, obviously, but this is by far, in my opinion, uh, the best season of any series to date on that streaming service. Um, In my opinion, 10 out of 10. Um, You know, but maybe what I should do is I should post a picture on social media and ask everyone what they thought of it. 
<laughs> and the reason why I say that is because something kind of struck me funny this past week. It's kind of a stupid story, and I really shouldn't make fun of people, but it just it struck a note with me, and I couldn't stop laughing about it. Because I'm a part of a lot of like Facebook groups on you know like for horror movies and horror fans and whatnot. And one thing I noticed that happens in a lot of those Facebook groups, which kind of makes me like laugh, I find it kind of funny. Social media people will join social media groups about horror films because they love the genre and they know so much about it. But then they'll post like a common horror movie poster, like Halloween or something, and assume no one else in the group you know, a group about diehard horror movie fans and whatnot has any clue about the movie that they love so much. Wait, what? Uh, and, and I'm serious. Like I've, I've seen like people post like, uh, let me think of one. Like they live such an underrated gem. Nobody knows about it. What do you mean? Nobody knows about it. It's they live like it, fuck. Everybody knows about this fucking movie. Or the other thing that always makes me laugh is someone will watch a movie. Let's say night of the creeps. Okay, they'll, they'll, they'll watch Night of the Creeps. And on these horror groups, they'll write, what does everyone think about this movie? My question is, why the fuck does it matter? I mean, if you love the movie so much, does it really matter what other people think? Like, will it change your mind suddenly if everyone in the group is bashing it? Or, like, are you are, are you the kind of person that, oh, everyone doesn't like this movie, so you're going to jump ship on it? Well, then you didn't really love the movie, now did you? I don't know. I, I guess I'm that kind of person. Like, I mean, like, if you love the movie, love it. Like, and don't worry about what others think of it. Like, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. This is a movie that's... It has fans divided. Like, there are people that absolutely fucking love that movie, and there are some that just literally despise it, because, oh, Michael Myers wasn't in it. I love the movie. It's my second favorite of the Halloween series. I don't care if other people don't like it. I'm still going to fucking love it, and I'm still going to watch it at Halloween. Like, I don't fucking care. I don't know. Like, And, like, the other gripe I noticed, and I really got to stop being so critical of people online, but it was just, this made me kind of laugh, is, like, people will post, like, about a movie that came out in, like, you know, the, the 50s or the 60s. And then people will be talking about the movie and get specific about certain details of the film, and people will be like, spoilers spoilers really for a fucking movie that came out in 1950 can we please get over it already like i'm i'm done with the whole spoiler thing i mean you watch last drive-in with joe bob briggs he opens with the fucking spoilers like his review is like okay so in this movie we've got three dead bodies two brass a dick um there's ooze coming out of some guy's nose a head explodes a car runs over someone and like you know what i mean like that's what he does and we watch that and we love it and i mean there's been times he's reviewed movies i haven't seen this is my first time seeing it and it's like okay you just spoiled the whole fucking movie for me i don't care i'm gonna still watch it anyways but anyways, <laughs> I know it, me and my social media complaining, I really got to stop doing it because, you know, it is what it is. Speaking of it is what it is. I'll be seeing it uh, chapter two this coming weekend. So I have nothing for you this week. Uh, possibly next uh, episode, I'll have a small review or whatnot. But but, you know, before I get into the recommendation, because I do have one for this week. I want to clear something up as well because, you know, I just went through that whole rant about the whole social media thing. And I know when you're listening to this show, I can be a mouthy jerk. I can be. And I'm 
vulgar. I, I, I swear a lot. When, when I'm just like, you know, shooting the breeze and chilling out and whatnot, yeah, the, the fuck word comes out a lot. And it's just, it's just me being relaxed. Like, in all honesty, like my obnoxious behavior, because I know in some ways, and you know, I can be a little obnoxious. I'm well aware of this. It's partially intentional. Like, <laughs> and I guess the reason why I'm saying this is because week to week you guys tune into the show and I'm obnoxious and I'm vulgar and I'm swearing and I'm making fun of movies and making fun of actors and what the fuck was this thinking and I mean even with my earlier rant about Black Christmas you know the movie looks atrocious it looks like garbage and keep in mind this is all my opinion and it's all my thoughts and it's just me fucking around and being a chucklehead because that's what I do I that's part of the purpose of this podcast is for me to just be a fucking dork and when it actually comes down to it, though, when when it comes to the horror genre and the community and whatnot, the truth of the matter is, is that we all got to stick together and we all got to raise each other up. We all got to support each other. And I'll be like, I, I, as much as I'm a chucklehead and a fucktard and whatnot, I'm also the first person that will come along and support someone on anything that they try to create or do or inspire, you know, something that they need inspiration for. I'll be that that I'll be one of those first people saying, Hey man, good luck to you. I wish you the best. Even, even like outside of the horror community, like the people I work with and my friends and whatnot, if somebody wants to try doing something different, I will fully support them. And I mean, yes, there are real dickheads out in the world. I mean, there's a reason why I always say I hate people, but I mean, you guys know, I don't truly hate people, but I'm just, I guess, part of this little like oh i'm on my soapbox so let's make a little rant here it, the whole thing is is i'm just saying like as much as i am this you know dim-witted nerd on a fucking podcast it's also good to support the people that are around us and to you know not be such a dick and so when you're listening to this show, yeah, you're going to hear me be a dick, but keep in mind like you guys ever want to like, you know, reach out to me, you know, give me a shout out on Instagram or through the email or the Facebook page or whatever and you know you just want some ideas or some support or whatever like I've got a few friends myself that are thinking of getting into podcasting and I'll be the first person to give them advice on things I learned through the past three three and a half years I've been doing this so I just wanted to put that out there because I know that like especially like (laughs) it seems like the opening of this episode I'm like really being an asshole and Let's face it. I mean, Black Christmas thing, yeah, whatever. And I mean, as for social media, I get it. People want to talk. They want to have fun and stuff. I'm just being that guy this week. I was like, really? Like, you honestly think nobody's heard of Psycho? <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, let's get on to the Lurker's recommendation. And then we're going to jump into a car and go racing for a while. But anyways, Lurker's recommendation of the week is a video game believe that or not eh? like me mr i'm not really a gamer i got tempted i'm not gonna lie back during e3 when i saw the trailer for this this game i was like ah you know i i hated the movie i shouldn't say i hated it but i really didn't care for it you know but this game is kind of fun um i'm talking about the blair witch for Xbox and PC. Yes, it's not on Sony yet. I don't know PS4 people were like, "Give us the game." It's like it's 
the way the developers are talking, I got a feeling Sony's getting it eventually, but right now it's for Xbox and PC. I have an Xbox One, so naturally I thought, I'm going to try it. And I, I, I did that, um, was it the Unlimited Game Pass or Game Pass Unlimited or whatever it is. So it was like, because I didn't have like Xbox Live for a while, I kind of got rid of it and was using my PlayStation a lot. Well, I did the whole two months for $2 thing or whatever. I was like, all right, let's let's give it a try. And Blair Witch comes with that. So I was like, all right, cool. Two bucks, I can't go wrong. So I started playing the game. And I will say, so far, it's not bad. Uh, for the most part, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> there are a few glitches, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of expect that these days. These ga- I, I think a lot of it is, is I have this mentality. I grew up with Pong, okay? I grew up with Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. These were games with very basic graphics. It was easy to put a cartridge in and there would be no glitches. Even, that, even at that, though, seriously, we did have glitches back in the day. But when when I was playing like Blair Witch and I mean the kind of glitches I've had is like for example sometimes you're walking around a certain part of a chapter well you have to hit like a specific point for it to trigger the next part of the chapter so if you don't like hit that one clue or you don't hit that one spot when you're walking it won't trigger it so it ends up you keep spinning around in circles and you keep going around the same map over and over and you're like fuck like what am i missing at the same time though as much as it's annoying it kind of helps to create paranoia because you do start wondering like what the fuck am i doing wrong and am i lost in the woods and that's kind of cool because it gives off that feeling of getting lost in the woods which is exactly like partially the point of this game and I mean, as I've joked with everyone, well, this game is already better than, you know, that 1999 movie because you don't have three kids arguing for 79 minutes out of an 80 minute movie about who has the fucking map. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you, your character is a guy named Ellis. He's a dick. But your character is, it's one guy and a dog. And the dog is awesome. Like, I love having a dog. Um,. The, the graphics are decent. It, 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 it looks good. I find that daytime doesn't last as long as nighttime does, which is a little bit annoying. But, I mean, it is what it is. And I will say this. There was one jump scare in the game that actually worked. I literally, my heart was racing for a second. I'm like, kudos to you guys. Like, you don't have... There, a lot of video games I've played don't really cause me to jump. I've said that about movies and their jump scares. Like, hello, it's not effective. You use it too much, blah, blah, blah. This game actually has one jump scare. Like, earlier in the game, like, once I've gotten used to the mechanics and how things work, I was like, okay, it won't work on me again. But the first time, I was like, holy shit, that was fucking awesome. And I mean, and that was the thing. I, I was like, that was awesome. Like, I still have, uh, let's see, i completed eight chapters and there's 17 so i have nine left so i'm a little under halfway through the game so far and from what i've read in preview like previews and like reviews and whatnot uh the ending apparently is a really great payoff so i'm hopeful that stands true i'm hoping that this is going to be you know a a great final quarter to the game because that's what i've been kind of seeing online and whatnot without being spoiled amazingly right um like i say so far though solid game uh, oh, and I have to mention the music score really awesome in this game. 
like very atmospheric, very creepy. The only problem is the only way you can get the soundtrack right now is through Steam. And I was kind of hoping to like get it like digitally or in a physical format. I was like kind of hoping for like vinyl or something, but no, it's only through Steam right now. Uh, it's pretty cheap. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's like 35 minute soundtrack or something, like 12, 13 tracks. But anyways, halfway point rating where I'm at right now, I'd say it's a seven out of ten. It's it's a solid game. It's fun. So if you have Xbox or PC and you know you want to try it out, I recommend it. But now. Fuck all that noise. It is now time to go and, you know, we're, we're going to go back to 1986. We're going to go back to to a movie that, in my opinion, I, I would honestly say there's elements of this movie, though it was inspired by movies before it. I think this movie partially has something to do with movies like The Crow and The Fast and the Furious. But uh, that's me just being, you know, biased and whatnot. Trailer drop. And when we come back, we are going to have a shared experience as I review the movie starring Charlie fucking Sheen and Cousin Eddie, The Wraith. Back in a moment. An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom, a wraith, a cosmic spirit given another chance. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I turned my back and the next second he was there. Like magic almost. You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. Shotgun, Mama Luca. A wraith, man! A ghost! An evil spirit, and it ain't cool! What are you doing? Packard, stop Get it! Get in the car! What are you doing, man? You get out of my face, Burger Boy! You wind up dead like your brother! So in preparing for this week's episode, I, you guys know, I, I always go back and I, I watch the movies, you know, before I review them and whatnot. And so naturally, what do I do? I watch the Wraith <laughs> and I completely forgot how much I love the dialogue in this movie so much as like, I actually had a laugh out loud moment and, you know, LOL, but no, like actually I legitimately laughed when there was the the scene with uh, Sheriff Loomis and he's all like, I don't need a warrant when I have this badge. And Gutter Boy follows it up with, but we know our constipational rights, sir, and you can't just come in here. And I, I fucking died laughing. I totally forgot that was in there. And I don't know why, but it just hit that. It hit the funny bone right at that right moment. And 
Yeah. That's the kind of movie we're going to be talking about today. So, The Wraith. The Wraith. Sounds like a great death metal song. The Wraith. Um, I got to think about saying it's always death metal. Like, whatever. You know, it is possible for dubstep to come out and go, The Wraith. Yeah, right. Um, so I saw, before I get into the movie, I saw something this morning on the internet. What's this about, like, Post Malone making Ozzy Osbourne famous? Wait, What? This is apparently a thing, kids. All right. Speaking of Ozzy. But anyways. So. Lori. I, I know. I'll stop doing that now. Anyways. The movie came out November 21st in 1986. It was a November movie. That's awesome. Um, I don't know why that's awesome, but I just thought it was awesome. Uh, the movie was written and directed both by Mike Marvin. Mike Marvin also worked on movies like Hamburger... I almost say Hamburger Hill, but it's Hamburger the Motion Picture, uh, Wishman, and a movie called Autopsy with Jeanette Goldstein and Robert Patrick. Never seen this movie. I was researching it last night. I'm like, well, that's one to write down. <laughs> and he was in Night Train with... Or not in, but he worked on uh, Night Train with Danny Glover. Danny Glover, one of those actors that... You don't hear me talk about much, but he was an awesome actor, especially in the 80s and 90s. And yet I hate, I, I know, unpopular, um, you know, unpopular thing to say, but I hate the Lethal Weapon movies. I'm not a fan of them, but Danny Glover, I like him. Predator 2, here we go. Uh, the Wraith was produced by John Kameny. He passed away in 2012, unfortunately, sadly. But he also worked on movies like The Gate, Nowhere to Hide, Iron Eagle 2, woo uh, The Gate 2. Uh, I mean, he had 91 producer credits. So he, he had a nice body of work that he, he was a part of. Uh, the fact that he was on both The Gate and The Gate 2, like he produced them and whatnot, I was like, ah, you're, you're my kind of guy. Um, cinematography by Reed Smoot. And he... I noticed, okay, he did a lot of documentaries. I was not going through all the documentaries he did. I was like, eh, nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. I actually recognized a few of the documentaries, but I know that you know, there's a lot of people that would be like, oh, I have no clue what he's talking So I skipped all that. But he did also work on Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, which needs to be mentioned simply because there's dogs in the movie. So, yay. Um... Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Isn't that the one we all try to forget existed? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then he worked on Dennis the Menace. All right. And Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah. All right. My kind of guy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he did a lot of documentaries. There was a couple, like, uh, documentaries about, like, mummies and, you know, um, like, ancient Egypt and stuff. And I was like, I think I've seen a few of them, but moving along. To the music portion. Music was composed by two composers, Michael Honig and J. Peter Robinson. Now, Michael Honig, as a matter of fact, I believe I've even spoken about him before on this uh, on this very show. Uh, he's worked on or produced. He also was a producer of music, but he's worked on films like The Gate, uh, The Blob from 1988, the remake, the, the the fucking kick-ass remake, I might add. Uh, class of 1999, Terminal Justice, Jewel of the Nile, which is a jewel of a movie. I don't care what the fuck people say. I love Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile are two fucking awesome movies. Uh, he also worked on Nine and a Half Weeks and The Seventh Sign. 
I don't know if any of you have seen the seventh sign, but Demi Moore's in that one. It's supposed to be like, like she's giving birth to like the um, the Antichrist or whatever. It's kind of it, it's a decent movie for a Demi Moore film. I'm not a huge fan of Demi Moore, so. And then J. Peter Robinson, uh, he worked on a few more titles that I was more familiar with, uh, films like Cocktail uh, with Tom Cruise, uh, Wayne's World. Party on, Garth. Yeah, that movie. Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. The Gate. So him and Honig both worked together on The Gate. That's kind of cool. He was also a uh, composer for Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Excellent movie. No, it's not the original. The original is by far the best fucking Living Dead movie ever, but in my opinion. Uh, he also worked on Godzilla 2000, the Omen TV movie, not the the Gregory Peck film, but the TV movie, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, Firestorm, and Detroit Rock City, just to name a few. So, with all that out of the way, now let's talk the fun portion of this, um, you know, who's who in this movie, the starring cast. Starring cast in this movie is fucking awesome. I'm just going to say that right now. Let's get that out of the way. They're fucking awesome. And we'll start off with our main male lead. Obviously, like, it would be a disservice. I was going to save him for last, but I was like, nah, fuck it. Because the guy I left for last, he, he's a gem. Uh, so we'll start off with Charlie Sheen as Jake Kessie. Now, Charlie Sheen, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. I mean, I never even heard of him until I saw this movie. Um, actually it's kind of, when you think about it, it's kind of true. Cause I did see this movie back in, uh, 1987 or whatever. And this came out right before platoon, which I saw platoon a little bit later. So technically if I'm being, you know, completely, you know, it, it, what's the, what's the phrase they all say? If I'm being honest, um, yes, this was, I'd never heard of him up to this point, but, <laughs> but we all know Charlie Sheen from two and a half men. We know him from Wall Street. We know him from one of my favorite sports movies, uh, Major League. I love Major League. I, well, I'm a baseball fan, right? But Major League was one of those movies that I legitimately laughed half the movie away. It was such a great movie. He, he is in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if you remember that. Platoon, I mentioned. Young Guns. Navy Seals, which I was just talking about a few weeks ago. He was in Hot Shots. <laughs> I remember that. I saw that one at the theater, actually. And, yes, I laughed quite a bit. Uh, he was in the movie The Chase with, um, uh, what's her name there? Fucking Buffy. Jesus, why can't I think? Qu Christy Swanson. Why the fuck that name slipped me? I don't know. And she's fucking hot in that movie. I'm not going to lie. Um, he was in The Arrival. That's a good movie. Uh, Being John Malkovich. Spin City. Scary movie three, four, and five. I on I'm not gonna lie. I honestly didn't know that. I'm the scary movies never did anything for me. I think I stopped after the second one, so I never knew he was even in those fucking movies. It's like, eh, all right. He was in Machete Kills and a movie called Nine Eleven, which gee, I wonder what that's about. Anyways, moving on. So our next starring male lead because technically there's kind of two as a matter of fact this one is actually in the movie more than charlie sheen uh nick cassavetes as packard walsh and he's been in some movies he's been in some good ones actually blind fury was the one i was like oh fuck i love that goddamn movie and he was in that one and i do remember him from that actually so it's not like i was like oh i didn't even know no i knew um he was in delta force three 
I haven't seen that one. Believe it or not, yes, I haven't. I saw the first one. I you one thing you'll learn about me, and if you haven't already, I'm not a sequel kind of guy. Um, in horror movies, it's a little bit different because there's for some reason I want to tear these movies apart. But if it's not if it's not a horror film and it's a sequel. I have a tendency to kind of back away from it. Like I was the same with the Austin Powers movies, even though I did eventually see them. The the first one after that, I was like, I don't know if I want to see the second or the third one. And they were video releases when I saw them. And then I kicked myself for not seeing the spy who shagged me in the theater because Heather Graham smoking. But anyways, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's the thing with me, though. I'm not one for sequels, except in the horror genre. It's very weird like that. Um, class of 1999 to the substitute. He was in that he was in face off. He was in blow with Johnny Depp, the hangover part two and the astronaut's wife. Um, moving on to our female lead and I'd be lying if I didn't say she's fucking hot in this movie. It's a common thing. You'll notice if ever you talk about the wraith with people, they'll be like Sherry Lynn Fenn was fucking smoking yes she was especially back in the 80s i know like you know people be like oh her fashions nowadays well okay but it's a 1986 movie fuck off um anyway she plays carrie johnson in this she's from detroit michigan so she's somewhat local (laughs) you know for me anyways because windsor detroit it's kind of the same thing uh she was in a few movies i've seen actually quite a few uh thrashing from the early 80s she was in zombie high she was in True Blood, and I'm not talking the TV series. I'm talking the movie from 1989 with Jeff Fahey, Chad Lowe, and Ken Faree. She was in that. She was in the spoof film um, Fatal Instinct, which was like kind of mocking like that whole like basic instinct, the whole sultry thriller kind of thing, and sort of like along the same ideas of like hot shots or airplane and stuff like that. Um, she was in a movie Wild at Heart. She was in Nightmare Street, Darkness Falls. And here's a little bit of trivia for you kids. Remember that really bad TV show that had one season called Birds of Prey? It was supposed to be about, like, you know, the Huntress and the Black Canary and whatnot. And it really it wasn't good. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but it wasn't good. Anyways, Sherry Lynn Fenn was the original Harley Quinn on that show. She was in the unaired pilot. And then Mia Sarah obviously got the role, and she was good and whatnot. But it was Sherry Lynn Fenn who was the original Harley Quinn for Birds of Prey. Imagine if she had kept the role. It might have... No, it wouldn't have been better. <laughs> I No. Miss Fenn has also worked on Robot Chicken. And she was Melissa Roth on the DC's Titans, the TV series. Overall, she's got 117 acting credits, and she's still acting today. So that's kind of cool. We're moving on now, moving on down, moving on down to Cousin Eddie. Um, Oh, no. Well, yeah, he's Cousin Eddie. It's Randy Quaid, you know. Like, quack job, because, like, he kind of, for a while there, he went whoosh, right off the deep end. But I don't know. He recently was just in a movie in 2018, so I guess he's acting again. Um, was he... Did he ever stop? I don't know. Anyways, Randy Quaid plays Sheriff Loomis. Um, And I didn't read anywhere about this, but I'm assuming the whole idea of Loomis is like, you know, the whole Sam Loomis thing and whatnot. Um, You know, going back to Psycho and Halloween, I'm assuming more Halloween in this case, but who knows? Um, 
But yes, he was Cousin Eddie from the National Lampoon movies. Uh, my personal favorite is The Christmas Vacation. That, that fucking movie is just it is a gem. Uh, he was also in Days of Thunder, which I like that movie too. I, I You guys are like sitting here going, he likes a lot of bad movies. Yes, I do. Uh, Randy Quaid was also in Caddyshack 2. He was in Major League 2, but I guess he was uncredited in that. He was in Independence Day. Yes, we know he was the guy who was abducted. It's kind of fucking awesome, but whatever. Uh, he was also in the Chris- National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2. And the reason why I separate that from the others is because he was actually the starring role. It was a boat, Cousin Eddie. Um, also, he was in the pilot episode for Blade, the TV series. And like I said, yes, uh, in 2018, he was in a movie called Wait. Not wait, W-A-I-T, but wait as in W-E-I-G-H-T. And Jason Mewes is in this movie. I never even fucking heard of this damn thing. I didn't even know it existed. But when I was doing my research, I'm like, oh, look at this. Okay, Randy Quaid's acting again, apparently. But we'll move on. I I have things to talk about him later. So I'm not going to lie. I know he went batshit crazy for a while and was wanted by the government or whatever or so he said i don't i don't fucking know the whole story because i didn't follow it that closely i just knew he went kind of wacko um i don't care i still love all like all those movies i mentioned are movies that i love i i enjoy randy quaid as an actor and what his personal life is is his business it's not mine so moving on though matthew barry as billy hankins um i'm not gonna lie his acting is not the best, but his acting in the end at the end of this movie gets to me. I'm not saying like tears, like it's not Niagara Falls kind of shit, but it's emotional and kudos to him. He pulls it off kind of nicely. I'm like, damn, like, cause most of the movie I'm kind of like, eh, all right, whatever. But in the last like two minutes of the film, he fucking nails some shit. I'm like, you're, I, I like this guy. Anyways, he was also in movies like No Way Out, Ed Wood, Con Air with Nicolas Cage. Anytime I get a chance to mention a, a Nicolas Cage movie, I'm doing it. Um, he was in uh, Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2. Uh, however, Matthew Berry is more a casting director. He's done a lot of uh, casting, like, um, like, you know, setting up the cast for movies and whatnot. And he's done films like Mars Attacks, Con Air, Rush Hour, John Q, and Freddy vs. Jason. So I thought that was kind of cool. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Skank and Gutter Boy. So Skank was played by David Sherrill, and Gutter Boy is played by Jamie Bozian. Now, David Sherrill has been, uh, obviously, the Wraith. He was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in The Rookie. Major League Two. I noticed Major League Two came up a couple times in this. Uh, He was in The Arrival, another Charlie Sheen flick. And he was in the movie called Three, The Dale Earnhardt Story. Which I haven't seen that, but I heard was actually really good. So, just one of those movies I just never got around to. And now Mr. Bozian, who is Gutter Boy. He had an appearance on 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp. Uh, It was also in a movie called Assault of the Killer Bimbos. I'm not going to lie. Haven't seen it. Kind of curious now. He was in a movie called Wishman, which I've mentioned earlier. He was in The Utilizer. Again, Con Air. 
and he was in a movie called Camp Out. And Camp Out is spelled with a K, not a C. But it's a movie with Zach Galligan, and I haven't seen this movie either. So I'll tell you, I was having a, a good time, like, researching all the cast, what they've been doing over the past couple of years, because there's a few movies I was jotting down, and I'm like, I need to see these. Uh, Augie. Augie, he's not in the movie long, but he's in it enough. He was played by Griffin O'Neill. Griffin O'Neill was not in a lot of movies, but however, he was in the horror flick April Fool's Day. He was also in Assault of the Killer Bimbos. I'm telling you, I'm curious. I really am. Uh, he was in a movie Night Children and Ghoulies Go to College, which is kind of interesting. Watching this film, I was like, this guy looks familiar. Where have I seen him before? And it was actually Ghoulies Go to College is where I remembered him from. And now, finally... The last cast member I'm going to be talking about is a gem. I love this guy. He's fucking weird as shit, and I love him for it. Ron Howard's little brother, Clint. Yes, Clint Howard is in this movie. He plays a character named Rughead. No, not Jughead, Rughead. The man has 249 acting credits to his name. He is... He's fucking awesome. I love this guy because he can do some of the weirdest fucking roles and nobody thinks twice about it. I mean, yeah, he kind of looks a little weird, but I don't fucking care. Like, it's just, he's awesome. I love him. And he was the voice of Rue in Winnie the Pooh in the blustery day. That's awesome. I never knew that. I was, a lot of these movies that I'm going to be mentioning, I've seen him in, I knew he was in, whatever. I never knew he was the voice of Rue in Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. That's fucking awesome. He was also in movies like, here goes the list, because I wrote down quite a few of them. Rock and Roll High School, Evil Speak, great movie, Night Shift, Splash, Cocoon, Gung Ho, Tango and Cash, Backdraft, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, that's that is one that is a bad movie that is very dear to me. I do love that fucking thing. And, and it's bad. And I, I, I'll be the first one to tell you it's a bad movie. I don't care. Uh, Carnosaur, he was in the movie Ticks. Leprechaun 2. Ice Cream Man, it definitely. He was in Barbed Wire with fucking Pamela Anderson. Speaking of Austin Powers, he was in Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. He was also, I believe, in The Spy Who Shagged Me and Goldmember. Yes. He was also in The Dentist 2. He was in The Waterboy with Adam Sandler. I didn't like that movie, but I like Clint Howard. He was in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, that movie with Jim Carrey that and, and the chick from The Pretty Reckless, you know, that's like super hot now, but she was like Cindy Lou Who back in the day. Um, he was in The Cat in the Hat, House of the Dead, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, God. But then he can get worse. He was in Blood Rain, the Third Reich. <laughs> Lords of Salem, the Funhouse Massacre. He was in Camp Out with a K. And he will be in Rob Zombie's upcoming film, Three from Hell, which I also want to say quickly, um, for those of you who may not follow social media as closely, uh, it was recently announced that Sid Haig, um, you know, Captain Spaulding, and you know, we, we love the guy. He's a super awesome dude and whatnot. I guess he was in a very bad accident and is in um, intensive care unit right now. So we wish him the best. I hope he comes out of that okay. 
I know his wife kind of wrote it on his Instagram, and we haven't heard much else since. So hopefully he's going to pull through because he's a good dude and a great actor. He's a lot of fun. Really hope the best for him. So, but I don't want to. I don't want to take this on a down note because we still have a lot to do here. So, because you know what time it is? It's synopsis time. It is the time when I'm going to read you the beautiful synopsis which I got from the back of the DVD. So it's legit. It this it's a weird synopsis too because I don't feel that it totally grasps like grasps the idea of this film. But whatever. Synopsis time. He is a phantom, a wraith. He is a mysterious, otherworldly stranger. An evil force took his life. Now an unearthly power has brought him back. He has a destiny to fulfill, a woman's love to reclaim, and he's determined to wage a vendetta against the young punks who put him in this situation in the first place. This supernatural tale pits an enigmatic avenger against a bizarre and brutal hand of marauders who have been wreaking havoc on a small desert town. But time soon runs out for the Wraith to reclaim his past and his future as he is pitted against his enemies in this action thriller. Finally, I might add that the film was originally rated R for nudity. That was later dropped to PG-13. Uh, however, the TV version and most video rental versions, they completely took the uh, the love scene out where we see uh, Sherry Lynn Fenn uh, topless. They took that right out of the film. Uh, but yes, as it stands, 2019, this movie is PG-13. Its runtime is 93 minutes long. The budget for the film was $2.7 million. But the worldwide gross was 3.5 mil, so it made some money. Now it's time for the notes from the beyond segment. Yeah, this is where I kind of just you know talk about my thoughts and you know what I saw in the film, what I liked about the film, what I didn't like about the film, some of the trivia that I found out while researching for the film, all that kind of fun shit. So you guys know how this uh, this review thing goes. I will say that at the very end, I believe it's at the very end, right before the credits start, we do find out that this movie was dedicated to the memory of Bruce Ingram. Um, Bruce worked on this film actually as an assistant cameraman, but the, I guess when they're filming one of the uh, the car crash scenes, uh, his the camera car overturned and he was killed. So this movie was dedicated to the memory of him. I felt I should say that. Uh, okay, so my my thoughts on the film. Obviously, and I've said this a couple times already, this story is very reminiscent of movies um, like The Crow, Fast and the Furious, or maybe like even The Car or Christine, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Like, it, it, it's got that whole idea of, like, you know, like there's the, the car racing and the car... The car thievery, I mean, like Packard and his gang like to, they race the cars and if you lose, you lose your car. And it's like, how do they get away with this? But whatever. Um, I know Mike Marvin, the director and writer, said that his, his inspiration for this movie was three films. High Plains Drifter, Mad Max, and The Road Warrior. So... I mean, obviously, because those came before this, the movies I keep mentioning all came after. So 
I guess I would have to say that the Wraith inspired those films. Aha, see? Um, this is also the first film to really get Charlie Sheen's career off and running. Uh, the same could be said about Sherry Lynn Fenn. I mean, like, I, and I want to say it was like, I think it was like three months after The Wraith came out, Platoon came out. And I mean, the rest is history. We know how, you know, Char- Charlie Sheen, like, pretty much from that point on, it's been a household name. Um, Johnny Depp, however, was dating Sherry Lynn Fenn at the time they were filming this, I guess. And the interesting thing is is that Johnny Depp was actually considered for the role of Jake Kessie, which is the role that Charlie Sheen plays. Um, so it's kind of interesting how that works out, you know, like, because if Depp had gone on to play this role, Charlie Sheen might not, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he still would have been famous, but it wouldn't have been this movie that helped start that. So, uh, in terms of the car, it would be stupid of me not to talk about the, like to talk about this movie and not talk about the car, the turbo interceptor, uh, sleek, beautiful custom car. God damn, it looks sweet. Um, according to the film, it's one of its kind. <laughs> uh, I believe uh, Jake says that right near the end of the film when he's like handing the, the car off to Billy and he's kind of like, it's one of a kind, you know. It, originally it wasn't, though. It was um, the M- M4S, commonly now known as the Turbo Interceptor. It was a Dodge supercar concept, like one of those concept cars. Um, it was a Dodge and supposedly could put out more than 440 horsepower until experts from the likes of Ferrari and Lamborghini were called in. So, I don't know, I'm not going to lie. You can laugh all you want, but I'm not a car guy. I don't know cars. So, when you have epilepsy and you can't drive, you kind of just never learn about cars. So, it's the way it is. Um and I mean, I, let me let me just put it this way, okay? Don't get me wrong. I, I like the first Fast and the Furious movie, and yeah, it, it's fun. It's cheesy. It's it does what it's supposed to do. You know, it's got you know sleek you know racing scenes and whatnot. But this car here, the Turbo Interceptor, looks way better than any fucking car in that Fast and the Furious movie, except maybe like what is it the 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 Dodge there at the very end that. Uh, Vin Diesel drives or whatever. I think it's a Dodge. Watch, I'm going to get like someone tell me, no, it's a fucking Ford. But um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, for me, the Turbo Interceptor, it just looks fucking beautiful. Uh, what's not so beautiful about this movie? The fucking cops. Uh, what is their point? Uh, not going to lie, the movie, the cops in this movie are pathetic. <laughs> um, I mean, Randy Quaid's character is something else I'll talk about in a bit, but these cops are pretty much pathetic like like the kids packard and his gang they're doing like this street racing stuff and these cop cars can't keep up what's the fucking point like i don't know and not to mention that packard and his gang literally can do whatever the fuck they want like they they beat people up they they take cars they chase people down on the road and all this stuff and nobody thinks to like kick his ass or like shoot him or something not that I want to get on the whole like gun shooting thing and stuff like that. I know that's a that's a huge controversial topic all on its own. But I'm just saying like these cops like literally do nothing. Like this gang walks all over this town and they're not like it's not like they're like, you know, like very intimidating. They look like goofball kids, but I don't know. 
Um, the theme of the abusive boyfriend. Now, th- this is something that I'm not going to lie. At times, it's it's kind of annoying. It's irritating. Um, it's also something that is it's a little hard to watch. Um, but I guess it works in this film because, sadly, this is it's a it's a truth it is something that has happened in the real world it's something that happens a lot and some in some ways it's still even happening today like in this very world we live in um so i guess like you know as much as you you get annoyed or you're you're watching the the movie and you're like screaming at you know carrie's character like sherry lynn sherry lynn's character of carrie you're yelling at her like get the fuck away from this guy or stop dating him or whatever but it's it's one of those things where like you know when you're in an abusive relationship you feel trapped um and i i guess it works it's something that for me i i guess it's because it hits certain uh levels with me that like i kind of watch it and i'm like what the fuck but i get mad because i can somewhat relate so i don't know it, it's one of those things it, it's it's well acted it's well written but at the same time you, it just it's one of those things that kind of makes the, the the viewing experience a little bit harder let's just put it that way um so jughead rughead uh clint howard um whatever you want to call him seems to be the only one of this gang and this includes packard who's like the leader like the the leader of the gang you know um I guess Clint Howard, even though he's like the most bizarre looking, is also like the the most smartest. He seems like he's the only one with any brains. Of course, the size of his head it kind of makes sense because he's got like his head's kind of weird. I know part of it is the hair, but his head looks like it's kind of like oversized or something. Maybe it's because he's got such a big brain in there because he seems to be the only one with any fear or any idea of getting the fuck out of this lifestyle before he dies. But then I was thinking about something like while I was watching this movie is that the Wraith is killing off the gang members one by one because of what they did in the flashback scenes. The flashback scenes, by the way, I should add, is that Sherry Lynn's – well, Carrie's. Carrie is her name in the in the film, so we'll call her Carrie. Carrie's boyfriend from the past was killed. And so Jamie – is the boyfriend's name and he was killed and whatnot. And I was trying to think about it while I was watching those scenes. I don't think that Rughead is a part of any of those scenes. So it kind of makes sense why he lives at the end of this movie while everyone else gets killed. Because I honestly think he's the one that wasn't part of that whole like killing scene. Again, somewhat similar to the crow, which the crow came after this. And I get that, but in the crow, you know, um, Eric Draven. For fuck, I was trying to remember his fucking name. Eric Draven was murdered and beaten and you know beaten and killed in front of his girlfriend Shelley Webster and whatnot, and he was thrown out the window and everything. And they went after the the crow went after the four guys that were responsible for that, and then obviously Top Dollar, who was the guy behind the whole fucking thing. In this, it's like the wraith is going after the gang members who killed Jamie, but. I honestly believe that Rughead was not part of that. So, and yet again, he's the smart one who's like, uh, you know, seriously, we all need to get the fuck out of this. We need to stop this because this thing's coming to kill us. Um, Which in terms of Rughead and other characters as well, the acting in this movie is very solid. 
Um, I, I, I saw complaints about that, like, you know, oh, the acting is horrible. For a movie of this caliber and uh, this B-movie and, and what it's trying to do, the acting is actually pretty good compared to other films I've seen. Um, I'm not going to say there's not bad acting in this. Uh, primarily two characters, Skank and Gutter Boy. Yeesh. <laughs> they like to chew up the scenery and do it in a not-so-good way. But at the same time, I, again, keeping in mind what you're walking into with this kind of this kind of movie, I, I feel it kind of adds to the fun of the movie. Um, I know I criticize it, but at the same time, I kind of love it. But... I, I can't sit here and say, well, they acted great. No, their acting is bad. It's horrible. But it it's still, it adds to the enjoyment of the movie. The 80s aesthetic, the, the look of this, the feel of this is very real. It's definitely what the 80s look like uh, because it was filmed in the 80s. But we're seeing a lot of this like whole retro thing right now. It's been going on pretty much since, you know, Stranger Things brought it to the forefront and whatnot. But not every movie that's coming out, not everything that's coming out that's supposedly 80s feels like it's an 80s movie or an 80s sound or an 80s look. This is this movie here is something that, you know, if you want to make a retro movie, look to this for what you want. Because um, the denim the the pastel colors the punks looking like punks you know what i mean like and, and the weird makeup and their hairdos and stuff like that one thing that did kind of stand out a little bit for me though uh packard the leader of the gang um isn't he a little old for these kids um because right away i you know, my mind went to wooderson and dazed and confused anyone anyone um you know these girls stay the same age as I get older kind of thing. Like, I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, Packard is dating Carrie. Carrie looks a lot younger than Packard. Like, and Packard's got kind of like this weird, like, Patrick Swayze thing going at the same time. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, it would be a disservice to talk about this movie and not talk about the fucking soundtrack. I cannot emphasize enough how much I fucking love the music in this movie. Like, holy shit, we got Billy Idol, we got Ozzy Osbourne, we got Motley Crue, and you even got some of your pop your pop uh, musicians, you know, Robert Palmer and Bonnie Tyler and whatnot, but it works and it fits and it's awesome. And then there's Tim Fian. Tim Fian writes pretty much, he writes and sings on pretty much the most popular song from this movie. I mean, granted, okay, yes, Motley Crue smoking in the boys' room, but the song that so many fans incorporate with this movie is where's the fire. And it was done by a Canadian singer songwriter by the name of Tim Fian. He also worked with a band. Well, his first band was a band known as footloose and I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about like, that was the name of his first band. Since then he went on to work with names like David Foster, Whitney Houston and Tiffany. And that's just to name a few. And also one thing I thought was kind of cool is that one of his songs, I guess was actually used in the series Dexter. So that's pretty fucking cool. Like I didn't realize that that one song that from the Wraith that, you know, and it's a great song. I'll be playing it at the end of this episode. So you'll, you'll hear it and whatnot. But that one song that a lot of people associate with this movie, how much that, like, cause I always took it as he was a one hit wonder and he disappeared. And then when I was looking into it, I'm like, man, this guy's been around. Like he, he's done a lot, um, in terms of the score that was done by Honig and, and Robinson. Okay. If you're trying to find it, good luck. <laughs> 
I looked everywhere. I was trying to find like a digital copy, vinyl, tape, something, anything. There, it's it's impossible to find. You can find clips of it like on the internet, like on YouTube and whatnot. But a lot of those clips, it's like people took the mu- like a clip from the movie, and then they put like clips of the other music as well together and. But yeah, good good luck finding the full score. It has not been released. Um, Terrorvision Records, if you're listening, I know you're not, but if you are, you guys like re-releasing like all these old scores that have never been released before. Uh, this one would be nice if anyone's listening. Um, it's very synth, like it's it's got that synth wave sound to it. it it's it's really awesome. So uh, let's keep moving on though. So criticisms of the film that you know the film is faced and whatnot from uh, and this is more from fans and critics i'll get into the critic bullshit in a bit but i noticed that like some of the people were like complaining about like the driving scenes not being well done or the acting being bad the cgi looking dated what the fuck people first off it's 1986 secondly this movie was technically a low budget film so for what the budget was and for the time period it came out and Okay, I admit, yes, it, there's one thing about the the driving scenes. If you're paying attention when they're, you know, they're doing the racing and whatnot. Um, in two separate races, they go past the same burgundy car. It was kind of funny. I was like, hmm, yeah, reusing footage maybe. Either that or they could only afford so many cars to put on the road while they're street racing. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of funny and whatnot. But, I mean... I guess, again, it's it's the whole idea of go into this film knowing what you're getting. You're getting a 1986 popcorn movie that's, you know, a little B-movie-ish, a little bit of horror, even though it's not really scary. I'll be honest, it's not scary at all. But it's still, it, it, it works. Um, I'm going to jump right to the end because there's something I want to talk about. The reveal of Jake. The reveal when we find out who Jake really is because we, and I mean, you figure it out pretty quickly. Charlie Sheen's character is clearly the Wraith. You figure that out. That it, That's, that's not something that's like some huge reveal. This movie doesn't pull some fucking M night Shyamalan shit on you. Like it, it, it's just, you know what you're getting. But as I stated earlier, Billy Hankins, you know, when, when, when he finds out that, you know, Jake is actually Jamie and Jamie was Billy's brother. Billy's brother was, you know, Jamie was the one who was killed when Billy or yeah, Billy has that realization and he figures it out. I'm not going to lie, man. He, he fucking acted that shit pretty good. Like, and it's very emotionally driven. Like, I'm not going to say that like, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm all sobbing and crying. No, it's not the fucking Titanic. Even that and Titanic would make me cry. But my point is Brian's song. There we go. There's a song, There's a movie that would make me cry. And I'm, I, I will admit it. Um, but this is the thing, like with this movie, like I, for people to have complained about the acting, you cannot say anything about that final scene. Like it gets to you. It hits you. But again, the idea of that, you know, Jake is the reincarnation of Jamie. That's the, the reveal of it itself is not really what's emotional because I mean, you figure that shit out early in this movie. Like there's, there's scars on, on Jake's body, like by his neck and on his back and whatnot. And then 
early on they show you the the killing of Jamie and you're like, well, he's getting stabbed in all the same spots. Like you can figure that shit out. Um, so, I mean, it's not so much the reveal. It's the idea of how Billy portrays it. it it's, it's like Billy's emotional response is what's really fucking awesome. Even though this movie's not meant to be an Oscar winner. And I get that. It's just a fun ride of car crashes and car races and revenge. Cause that's what this is too. It's a revenge movie. You know, it, it, it's, it, I don't know. I, I don't understand complaining sometimes, but then again, look at, I, I open up this show with a complaint every week and some people probably say your complaints are bullshit too. So it is what it is. Um, I, I have to talk about cousin Eddie, you know, cousin Eddie. Oh, okay. Randy Quaid, uh, Sheriff Loomis. We'll call him as by his character name, whatever he's cousin Eddie. But anyways, while he's awesome to see in this movie, he's also laughable. Um, I don't understand. Like, I, I get it. It's an investigation, and I understand he's trying to figure out what's going on. But all he really fucking does in this fucking movie is question people. I'm going to bring them in to question them. I'm going to, hey, guys, you guys got a minute. I need to question you. I need to talk to you. I need to question you. That's all he fucking does in this fucking movie. Like, And at one point, him and the other cops clearly see like you see Clint Howard's character waving the fucking handkerchief. Like, you know, the race has started. They catch them in a fucking like speeding. He doesn't arrest any of them. Like I, I, what the fuck? Like I want to move to this town. If you can get away with virtually anything, like not that I'm going to break a whole lot of laws, but I mean, seriously, these kids can do whatever the fuck they want. He doesn't stop them. He doesn't do anything. I don't know, like, fuck, even in Dazed and Confused, I know I brought that up earlier, so I figure I'll go with this. There's that dude where, like, you know, his mailbox gets busted, and he starts shooting at the fucking kids. Sheriff Loomis doesn't even shoot at these kids. Like, he does nothing. Like, I don't know. So, this movie, I... I, Okay, for for those of you who don't collect VHSs... uh, this has only been released on DVD. At one point, it was on Tubi TV to stream. And I know you can get it off of, like, YouTube. Like, you can pay the YouTube movies. Uh, I think Google has it on iTunes and whatnot. Or, well, Apple movies now and stuff. There was no Blu-ray release. And there hasn't been one. I mean, unless you look to other regions of the world. Like, Italy and Japan, I know, have Blu-ray release. But here in North America, it's only VHS and DVD. So this movie is a little bit harder to 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 see, to watch, unless, you know, hey, go ahead, do what you do. Because some of you, I know, I know how people watch movies in this country. But anyways, I don't know. And as I said earlier, because I just wanted, by the way, I just wanted to mention like how to watch it. Like it's, I have a digital copy myself, but it's, it's not that accessible at the moment unless like i said if you have the vhs or the dvd hey kudos to you watch it like and fucking love it um moving a little bit further uh, further though because i do have to i do have to end this soon I, i'm talking way too much critics hate this fucking movie i don't care what they think but critics fucking hate it leonard malton uh basically said this movie is for those who favor fast cars and lots of noise yeah fuck you malton like whatever um there's some uh, timeout review. Uh, the editor, John Pym, said basically this movie, the, the, the Wraith is kind of like a comic strip killer, car thieves, 
uh, with the best joke having been the one thug knows the word, the wraith. Um, okay, whatever. You're taking it too seriously. Horror movie fans, though, on the other hand, racing fans, whatever, seem to be a lot less critical of the movie. I read a ton of reviews from different fans, and they all basically approach it as it's a good time. You know, sit around with your friends, have some drinks, or, you know, even watching it by yourself. Like, seriously, I watched it by myself last night, and it, it just don't take it seriously, you know? Enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy the 80s cheese that it is, you know, the nonsense, whatever. IMDb granted mostly fan reviews uh six out of ten then you look at like rotten tomatoes and metacritic rotten tomatoes has it at 33 percent approval rating based on 12 critics um okay whatever fuck you all uh metacritic has it at 39 percent approval rating so ooh, yay we gave it six percent more however the little thing on google where it says like how many google users like this film 93 percent so obviously people going on the internet looking for this movie, they, they're looking for it because they like it. The podcast zero rating, because I really do have to finish this episode up. So critically, if, I, if I'm being critical, if I'm being a little hard on the film and whatnot, it's about a six. It is dated. It's not, you know, the best acted, even though, like I said, some of the acting is really solid, but then there's the, the down points and whatnot. Um, but it is a dated film. Obviously you can tell it's an eighties movie. I'd give it a six if I have to be critical about it as a fan. On the other hand, though, it's a fucking eight. Uh, I, I, I enjoy this movie and I I've watched it several times. I, I'm going to watch it another several times, um, in my lifetime because it's not too long. It's 93 minutes. You never feel yourself getting bored. It doesn't bore you with useless exposition or dragged out talky scenes or anything. I mean, there's some talking, obviously. Like I said, you know, Cousin Eddie there is constantly like, I need to have a talk with you. I need to question you. And like, I mean, those are there, but they're not super long. It's just effective enough to get the point across and let's move on. Um, There's sex appeal for both sexes to enjoy in this film. Either you'll find a very young... Charlie Sheen to be attractive or Nick Cassavetes or you're like me and Sherry Lynn Fenn is like woohoo super fucking hot. Um the cars are nice, the soundtrack kicks ass. This is what 80s movies were. This is stick this right up there obviously not as critically acclaimed but put this up there with movies like the goonies you know like it's just it's fun it's not trying to be anything more than what it is it's just a fun 80s movie critically it's a six as a fan though i'm saying it's a fucking eight and on that note thank you for listening everyone and i i need to give thanks again to tj the drummer for requesting this tj the drummer on instagram tj is actually a personal friend of mine as well and him and I always talk movies. Um, he, he, I'll tell you right now, his favorite movie is Top Gun. So he is totally like he is. He's versed in the '80s films and whatnot. And I was glad he he mentioned this one. It was definitely a blast to go back to it. Um, I do hope eventually one day this movie sees a Blu-ray release. I would like to see it on Blu-ray. Um, I know it's so the rumors are online. I couldn't find much to solidify this, but apparently Charlie Sheen hates this movie. Um, I couldn't find anything on that. I, I, I looked, but yeah, I guess Charlie Sheen don't like this movie. Whatever. Us fans, we do, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, somewhere down the line, it gets a Blu-ray release. So, again, thanks TJ. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, let's do the where to find the show. 
on the social media and all the different areas. I will announce next episode, and then it's time to get the fuck on out and find out where's the fire. Yeah, you figured that out. So, where to find the show? Apple Podcasts, um, because it's not iTunes anymore. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, CastBox, FM Player, and obviously, the Next Level Network. Thenextlevelnetwork.com is where you can find this and many other podcasts. Podcasts like uh, The Melting Pat, DC Primetime talking with tmb this week we're talking about um and i I, two fat dudes panels to pixels there's a whole bunch of awesome podcasts uh ben and rob right now are currently doing um scary oh fuck i should have written this down scary stories to be told i believe is the name of the podcast i could be wrong on that so ben don't shoot me (laughs) um but there, it's a it's a nine uh, nine episode podcast special they're doing through the network and they're they're talking about like more family oriented Halloween and horror films and whatnot as opposed to like my like you know totally not family related or family oriented talking blah 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 but anyways yes yeah, so the nextlevelnetwork.com check it out nextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zeros where you'll find this podcast also at its other home what lurks behind you can email me at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can find the podcast on Facebook at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Same with Instagram. It's the same thing, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. I make it very easy for people to find me, except on Twitter. I, I realize I shit about Twitter all the time, and I'm a dick for what I started on there because you can't look up What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero on there. It's uh, at WLB podcast <laughs> underscore zero. So way to go, Paul. You're just as much a dick as everyone else on Twitter. Um, there's the Redbubble store, of course, redbubble.com slash people slash podcast zero. And also you can access that from the Facebook page. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Next episode will not be next week. I'm taking a week off, guys. So next episode will be in two weeks from now. But it's a good one. It's, it's going to be a fun one. It's one I've been... I, 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 I was going to do this one earlier, but I had the listener requests I wanted to do first. So pushed it back a few weeks because the next episode in two weeks' time will be Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Oh, yeah. That, and it's a fucking great one. I'll probably maybe talk a little bit more about the Dark Crystal series on there as well, like probably a little spoilery or whatnot. I'm not completely sure yet. Um... I believe that episode will be right before uh, the Creepshow series gets released on Shudder, so that's probably not going to happen just yet. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. It's uh, it's time. I, you know, I, my throat is sore. I'm, I'm, I, I need to get this uh, edited and, and ready for all of you to listen. So I'm just going to shut up and let Tim Fian do what he does best because this song kicks ass, and I don't care like if, if you don't like 80s music or whatever jump in a lake because this this song's fucking awesome i love it and i even last night like after watching the movie it was like it was too late to start recording so i was like well i'll record in the morning but i was like i want to listen to that fucking song so i must have played it about a good 20 times while i was like doing other shit and whatnot so you're gonna love it i know you will anyways thanks for tuning in i'll be back in two weeks until then here's tim fian with where's the fire have a great week everyone
If you see me coming 